welcome to the How Not to Screw Up Your Kids podcast. So pour yourself a cuppa, find a comfy seat and enjoy the conversation. This is episode 40 and I'm talking about mental health and how it really is a whole family project. Let me start with a simple question. How are you? How many times are we asked this question and our standard response is, I'm fine, nothing to complain about, all right, all things considered, or something similar. Now, if I was to follow your standard answer with this extra question, how do you know for sure? What would your response be? Irritation at such an annoying question, or would it make you stop for a moment and reflect? I'm not deliberately trying to be difficult. I want to make a point. Bear with me as I give you some context. I have regular conversations with health professionals, parents, schools, about the rising numbers of mental health issues in young children. Now, the data which was published in 2020 says one in six has a probable diagnosable mental health issue. One in six children aged between four and 16 years old. The reality is from what I'm getting back in terms of feedback on the ground in terms of teachers and and other health professionals, is that the number is probably more like one in four or one in three. Why? Now, anxiety appears to be at the root of almost all mental health challenges. And as recent studies are proposing that anxiety may be a transmissible disease, my original question, how are you? suddenly takes on more gravitas. And the follow-up question of how do you know for sure becomes less irritating. Now, I'm not suggesting our children's anxieties are our fault. But what I am saying is children pick up on our stresses, whether it's juggling work commitments, the morning school drop-off, or trying to help with homework and cook dinner at the same time. Societally, we juggle more as parents than our parents ever did when they were raising us. So our children are around considerably more stressed than we ever were. And I'd ask you for a moment just to think back to your own childhood. Just think back to what that looked like and how it felt like for you at home. And when I think back at my own childhood, so when I was young, My father was an anaesthetist, so he obviously worked shifts and he probably had a pretty stressful job. I imagine that he spent quite a lot of his time in surgical theatres across a whole host of different operations. And so he probably would have had a very stressful job. Now, I don't particularly remember there being stress around him specifically, but I do remember an element of containment of that because he would lock himself away in the sitting room, for example, um, and play music, and we were not allowed in that room. And that was kind of his decompression, or we tiptoed around the house at certain times if he'd worked a night shift and we were up in the morning. And my mother worked, but she didn't work until I was older, so obviously I was you know, very fortunate enough to have her home. But again, even when she was working, I don't remember, and maybe I'm naive, maybe I've got a rose-tinted view of my childhood, but I don't remember those level, that level of stress and that juggle quite in the same way as when I reflect on my parenting when my children were younger and I wasn't working 
as in the traditional sense when my children were younger I was studying so I had my eldest in the final year of my degree as a mature student and I had my daughter in the second year of my PhD so I was working to some extent but I wasn't working in the traditional sense of it being employed I was studying but I'm aware that my stress levels and trying to get the children out to nursery and to school was a very stressful affair certainly relative to what I can remember as a child and I'd what I'm just asking you to reflect back on yours as well because I believe and this is why I really want to particularly address this um this particular topic in this episode is that we are a generation that have been raised on the notion that we can have it all a great marriage fulfilling careers wonderful children lavish holidays a big house nice cars luxury things after school paid activities tutoring the best schools and so on and so on and so on and if we add to that social media rolling news and the need to be constantly on it's no wonder we have the mental health issues we have today now whilst some children will need the support of a specialist There is so much that we can do to help at home. And it starts with us asking ourselves, how am I really feeling? And what am I going to do to take care of my stresses, anxieties and overwhelm? So this podcast episode is all about mental health as a whole family project and starting with the simple question of how am I really feeling? How am I really making sure I take care of myself? So I am going to share with you today, rather than my usual five, I'm going to share six strategies, six tips, six areas that I think that we should be looking at in order to support our children. Because if this data is right, if this data that is suggesting that anxiety is transmissible, if anxiety is at the root core, is kind of the core component to all manner of mental health challenges, then it has to start by us reflecting on us to make sure that any stressors is an overwhelm and what we're juggling at home isn't then having some form of impact on our children now the data is not just saying that it is our stresses that is doing it but our stresses are a factor in this so my first tip is to conduct a stress audit of your own daily and weekly life so this is where you have to get super honest and you probably want to do this over a period of days I don't think you'll be able to do this in one day but actually reflect on what does your typical day and what does your typical week look like what does it consist of not just in terms of the obligations that you have but how you go about conducting those obligations so for example if you're reflecting on your Monday and you're looking at what that day looks like, then start from the beginning, from the moment you wake up. What are you trying to prepare? What are you trying to juggle? Are you doing the school drop-off? What does that look like in the morning? How do you prepare each child to get ready to get out of the door in the morning? What does your journey then look like to school and then from school to work? Are there stresses because you've got time constraints? Are you having to prepare things and make sure that you've got multiple things ready? So you're looking at it from that daily perspective. What then happens at work? How are you, what are you then doing it in terms of your workplace? What are the stresses that are coming in there? What other factors are you also juggling? What 
things are going on your to-do list and look at it from a day perspective, but then look at it across the course of the week. What then happens at the end of your workday? What are you then obligated to do? What are the other things that you're trying to complete, juggle, manage, whether they be fun things because you're a member of a society or a club, or you go to a gym, or that you take part in particular classes, or that you do an evening course, or you're studying something online. It's really getting clear and honest with what does your stress audit, where are those stresses coming from? What do they look like? Where are they on a daily basis? What do they look like on a weekly basis? And as I say, my personal view is that you would probably want to do that over the course of several days. You're not really going to be able to complete it in one day because I think things will come to you afterwards. So often when we re- when we look at something initially, there are so many omissions, so many things that we forget as part of that. And this isn't a, you know, a damning finger pointing exercise. It's really, it's an opportunity to just take a step back and actually do a bit of an audit of your week. And where do the stresses come from? Are they the same stresses or, or or do they vary are they different each week are they different each day are there some days that are just uber stressful and other days that are actually generally much less stressful certainly if i reflect on my week my monday tuesday and wednesday are phenomenally stressful because that's where i condense a, a great deal of my specific time pressured activities Now, it's not to say that my Thursdays and Fridays aren't stressful, but they're nothing compared to the level of stress that is in my Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And certainly by the weekend, then those generally, there aren't any specific stresses in those. However, mine will vary week by week. Some weekends are actually quite stressful because they've got obligations in there that go beyond the relaxation obligations. So I want you to do, just start with that one. That's a really important piece. And if you don't move on to the other five for another week, two weeks, then that's okay. It's really important that you conduct that stress audit first. So that is number one. The second thing that I want you to do is commit to making just one change to your daily and weekly life. So we've conducted our stress audit, we've looked at our daily stresses, we've looked at our weekly stresses, and then I want you to make a heartfelt commitment to making just one change. What I have learned over the years, time and time again, is when we make commitments to reflect on things and then to make changes, is that we often over commit. We, th- we look at things, we reflect, we think, oh my goodness me, I need to make some significant changes. We recognise the need for change, but we take on too much. We try and change too much in one go. And in my experience, that sets us up to fail. If we make a commitment to change just one thing, we are much more likely to see it through. And when you make that check, when you make that commitment, when you look at that one thing, really try and actually when you've reflected on that audit look at the one thing which is probably having the biggest impact on everything else almost ask yourself this question if there was only one thing that I could change that I felt would have the biggest positive impact which thing would it be So it's really identifying that one thing because quite often the changes that we need to make are not 
multiple changes. It's often one or two things that if we made those changes would have such an impact that they would ripple against other things and create a wave of that positive change that means that then maybe our third and fourth or fifth thing then becomes obsolete because we don't need it by making that one change. And I would really urge you to be honest. This whole process and the whole discussion of this particular podcast episode about mental health being a whole family project, it isn't something that we can fix overnight. It isn't something that's going to change overnight. The way that we live our lives these days are so much faster paced, so much stress inducing, so much more insular that they're going to take some real honest reflection, some real changes to the way that we live our lives so that we can make those changes more permanent. I want this to be an exercise that you don't just pay lip service to, not because you're trivialising it, but because you think, oh my goodness me, she's absolutely right, I need to make those changes. I can completely see how that might be impacting us, that we're living in this slightly stressed state constantly. But actually, if we want to make some lasting and impactful changes, we need to make them in a slow, conscious, deliberate, thought through process. And I would much rather you did that and you take your time over it than we slightly ping and it then ends up becoming one of those things of, yeah, I sort of thought that was a really great idea, but I've tried it and it just hasn't hasn't worked. So the two things that I've talked about to do, first of all, is conduct a stress audit of your own daily and weekly life then once you've done that commit to making just one change to your daily and weekly life it may be something about a routine that you do daily or it might be looking at making a change to something weekly we're not talking about life changing here we're talking about something that is relatively easy to implement but by implementing that one change it will have the most significant and profound effect and it could be as simple as one of the changes that you might find is that actually it could be as simple as actually getting to bed at a reasonable time, making a commitment to be in bed by 10 o'clock. Because actually when you've done your stress audit, you've noticed that a lot of the, the stresses that are coming up are because you're tired, because you're slightly firefighting. And that actually if you'd had seven or eight hours sleep every single night, that that would make a massive impact to how you felt and the level of stresses that you had. So we're not looking at huge changes here, but commit to that one change. The next thing I want you to look at, the third thing, is I now want you to do a family audit. Your initial stress audit was on your own daily and weekly life. Now I want you to do an honest family audit. And in lots of ways, I really want your whole family to be involved. I don't want it to be something that you do in isolation and audit your family. I want your family involved in this. And one of the the kind of best ways of doing this, and in fact, it is my tip number five, is around these family meetings. And it's actually going to be the resource for this podcast. I'm a real big believer in families coming together and communicating. I think it's a really wonderful way of us being able to nip challenges in the bud, being able to communicate as a family about issues and challenges that we're having and to problem solve them together. And what those sort of family get togethers also help us with is to connect with our partner 
when we're co-parenting so that we're able to just check in on what's going on, what's working, what's not working. Where might be the challenges in terms of the way that we're parenting together? What have we noticed? What do we think we might need to implement? So when we do the family audit, I really would urge you to have a conversation with the family together and just say, look, I've noticed that as a family things aren't running as smoothly as we'd like them to be it it often feels like we're all racing around and that things feel quite stressful and that we don't really have a huge amount of time together we all seem to be operating on our own little bubbles and I thought it would be really helpful if we all just take a bit of time over this coming week just have a think about what we're doing each day and what we're doing each week in terms of after school activities or commitments that we have and how they might be continuing to serve us, but how they might also not be. So that we really make commitments to things that we want to do because they're things that we want to do and we enjoy and not things that we're just saying yes to or committing to or finding ourselves doing each day and each week that actually don't help, that bring about a lot of overwhelm, a lot of stress when we could very easily rework things so the third one about doing the family audit is really giving everybody the same opportunity to do a stress audit for their own day and their week but also to actually look in the cold light of day at what are the commitments that you've got what are the commitments that each of your children have got what are the activities that they have what are the absolute must have non-negotiable things that your children need to do that might be school related And how are those impacted by the additional extracurricular options that they choose? And sometimes maybe those extracurricular activities create a lot of stress because it means logistics are challenging. But what your child gets from that far outweighs the logistics. But it's doing that audit in the first place that you need to do. So... We're starting off by conducting a stress audit of our own daily and weekly life because we know that it starts there. We're then making a commitment to ourselves to make one change, whether it's to our daily life and our daily routine or our weekly life and our weekly routine. Now we're looking at doing a family audit. It might be, it'll probably be an overview of the whole family, but each individual member within the family needs to input. If we've got young children, then we can still ask their opinion, even though we might do the audit on their behalf. But we want to involve everybody because it's the impact of the whole family. Remember, mental health is a whole family affair. We need to get everybody involved. So naturally, the fourth thing is going to be to commit to making one change to family life. And that change may well be the introduction of some new rules new routines it may be that you'll instigate a routine whereby devices go on charge at a particular time in the evening and nobody goes back to touch those digital devices after that that actually that's your change to the families that you're going to disconnect electronically so that you can connect on that level as a family and you may connect by watching a television program together, watching a film together, maybe playing a game together or just being in the same room as each other. And that might be one thing. It may well be that you make a commitment as a family to have regular Sunday walks. You may make a commitment as a family to engage in one activity that you do as a family together at the weekend. 
Whatever it is, you're making a commitment to change one aspect of family life that disconnects you from electronics, that disconnects the family from that isolated, those isolated moments where people are all in their rooms or doing their own things and instead reconnects you as a family. And of course, that's going to present with it a whole load of challenges. We might have sibling dynamics that interplay in that. We might have logistical challenges, but those will be overcome because you'll get that connection. And that's ultimately this idea of connection and communication are absolutely key to safeguarding, to protecting our children against potential mental health challenges later in life. So these are the investments that we need to be making. And we need to be thinking if with the knowledge that I have now, with the knowledge that I have that by being disconnected, we're putting our children at risk of these challenges, what would I do with that knowledge? What would I be prepared to give up? What would I be prepared to start putting in place to ensure that we protect that, that we make sure that their mental health is in the best shape that it possibly can. So that's number four. So we've conducted a stress audit. We've committed to making just one change to our daily and weekly life. We've now done a family audit. We've committed to making one change to family life. The fifth one is about building in weekly family meetings. I am such a huge advocate of this they don't need to be formalized meetings they don't need to have minutes they don't need to have an agenda but commit to a period of time regularly every single week where you get together as a family and simply do some quick reflections we're going to give you this as a resource so all of the information is in there but you're simply having a reflection of reflecting back on the previous week that has been what worked what didn't work looking forward to the week ahead what might be the challenges that are coming up what might be the logistical challenges and the stresses that might be coming up and how might we as a family begin to mitigate some of that how can we problem solve as a family to ensure that tempers don't get frayed that we don't end up with bickering arguments or that we don't end up shouting at our children and feeling frustrated because they're not cooperating or helping us that we have that time to work together to be connected to have that common goal of working together as a family in terms of what might be happening in the week ahead and then that empowers our children because they're part of the problem solving process they are looking at well, what might we be able to do and particularly these family meetings I mean they're helpful all the time but they can be particularly helpful at periods of time when you're out of school term or that there are changes and holidays coming up where as a family we might have commitments still as their parents to do things outside our immediate responsibilities as mum and dad. So the fifth one is build in a weekly family meeting. And then the sixth one, which I've added in, I've snuck that one in because I think that this is an important one that we keep front and centre. It's not something that you do in isolation, but make a commitment to yourself and to your family and to your children and to your partner to be fully present in each and every moment that you have with them. Be present and away from digital devices, away from distractions, away from thinking about the next thing that you've got to do. But simply remind yourself in this moment that I have, and that moment may literally last 10 seconds or it may last five minutes. But in that moment, I am going to commit to be 100% in this space 
right now so I can give my child, my partner, everything and my undivided attention at that moment at that moment because being present builds the connection and that connection allows us to communicate and that connection and communication are what safeguards and protects our children against future mental health challenges so let's just recap my six things this week number one is conduct a stress audit of your own daily and weekly life commit to making just one change to your daily and weekly life now do a family audit and commit to making one change to your family life making sure that you then also build in weekly family meetings and commit to be present in those moments those precious moments that you have now my give this week is actually going to be a template for a family meeting so it just helps you get some structure around it you can use it to make notes if you want to but it really doesn't have to be formalized but it just gives you an idea of what those meetings might look like and adapt it modify it for what your family needs so you can use that as a tool you could practically use that tool so what you need to do is head over to my free resource library drmaryhand.com forward slash library where you'll find the link to download the resource All you need to do is pop in your email address and you'll get instant access not only to this week's resource, but all the other free resources across all my other podcast episodes. As ever, if you have enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you could follow and review this podcast so that others can find us and we can spread the love. So until next time. Bye.